Bright Sounds, the voice of Brightworld. Hello, my name is Leah Ferris and welcome back to Bright Sounds. Following the news that the UK would be entering a third national lockdown on January 5th, students' arrival plans were thrown into chaos. Up until the day before, both the guardianship team and the accommodation and travel team have been hard at work making arrangements for a staggered school start. Assisting with transfers and quarantine arrangements for students travelling back to the UK and return to school plans for many of the students who had remained in the UK, either with host families or at our Relax and Revise programme. This week, Corey is joined by Casper Jones. Good afternoon. Who's one of our guardianship care managers. And Fee Williamson. Hi there. And Leanne Poole. Hello. You are both our accommodation and travel managers, and we're here to discuss the impact that this third lockdown has had on our students and the ways in which we are continuing to support them while we wait for schools to start opening again. Uh, Corey, hopefully you can uh, shed some light on how you all are coping with this. Yes, well, hopefully that's what we're going to cover today. Um, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, I would like to say that we were all surprised by the announcement of a third lockdown on the 4th of January, but that wouldn't strictly be true. I think we'd seen it coming for a little while. Um, and with case numbers rising here over the Christmas period, we sort of expected some kind of tougher restrictions to follow fairly soon. Um, so it hasn't been that much of a shock, but it has meant a tremendous amount of extra work for both the guardianship care team and for our accommodation and travel managers as well, rearranging everything that had been put in place, um, as you say, for the staggered start that we were expecting, with exam year groups starting before the rest of their um, peers joined them afterwards. So first of all, really, I, I wanted to ask Casper, what sort of impact this has had on the guardianship care team and um, how it's sort of affected all the logistics around getting students back into the UK and whether anyone has been able to go back to school um, in the face of the new lockdown. So, Kasper. Just um, backing up, yeah, thank you, Corey. Just backing up the point you made earlier about... Um, being surprised that this was going to happen, I think, although perhaps we weren't surprised, I think uh, by the time things happened, it was like all hands to the pumps, basically. So we were originally hoping to be welcoming students back to their schools and arranging their transport. And very quickly overnight, all of us could tell that things were going to change very rapidly. Um, so this has meant having to understand parents and students' needs and how they, um, what they were going to be doing. Um, some of them were still attempting to come back to the UK, um, but many of them um, decided that they wanted to remain in their home countries. So we were having to either cancel taxis with the help of the ATMs, who we'll speak to later. Um, also, um, rearranging any plans that they might have had and acknowledging this with the schools and combining that, communicating with the schools. So it's been a lot of changes that we've had to make very rapidly overnight and over the period of a few days. 
Yeah, I can uh, imagine. And how have you found um, the sort of response from parents and schools in the face of all of these changes? I imagine you've had a flurry of emails almost daily um, as new um, sort of guidance has come through from the government. Schools have been obviously changing what they're able to do. Um, has that meant uh, a lot more um, work, I suppose, than you would normally expect at this time of year? Well, yes, because sometimes you're not really necessarily going to hear straight straight away from the parents or the students themselves in terms of what plans they've decided to make. So as a result of this, we've received many emails, um, few communications from the schools themselves. And that has meant that we as GCMs have had to read through those emails to understand what each school is going to do, because although the majority of the schools were closing, um, many of them were going to let um, some students come back or some students stay that because a few of our students were actually staying in school for the whole of Christmas. So, you know, we needed to understand whether they'd be able to stay at school or whether their parents are going to be wanting them to go home rather than being in the UK. So on a daily basis, we were getting many emails, which we had to understand from parents students themselves and the schools themselves as well. I see and I know you mentioned as well that um, a lot of students had decided to remain at home um, rather than risking travel back to the UK in, in yes, some situations right. um, yeah. and you also mentioned there that some schools have allowed students to return. Um, has that been uh, you may not know, has that been mainly students that were in the UK already or has it been a mixture of students that were also travelling in from overseas as well? I would say the majority of the students were ones that were staying in the UK either through staying with our host families for Christmas or mm -hmm. were staying with um, family, friends or relatives of the students. Um, but... We have had the odd students, especially new January starters that were um, travelling to the UK to start the school, albeit in a online capacity. Mm. Um, so I would say the majority of the ones that stayed in the UK have returned to school. But as I say, there have been a number of students who have returned to the UK and started school. Um, many of them, many of the schools, what they've done is because they've had a very much reduced number of students mm. at school, they've sort of put them in one bubble in one house within mm -hmm. the school. So that's how it's been managed. And we've been hearing a lot of stories about that from individual schools, about what houses they're going into and how they're being looked after daily uh, between school studies and trying to give them as much exercise and activities as possible. Okay and I'll touch on host families in a minute with um, Leanne and Fee but for students of ours that were enrolled on the Relax and Revise program at Cambridge Melchior College over the Christmas break it, what's happened to them how, how have we um, what have we had to do um, for those students? Well that's you know we found that that's been a very successful program and a lot of the students that were there over the Christmas periods have um, been um, 
constant uh, returners who really enjoyed it and especially as it's been Christmas and it was an opportunity to give them a very special Christmas and you know mm -hmm. we've seen pictures and there are pictures available uh, for everybody to see about how much fun they had at that. Um, with regards to them returning uh, back to school we again a, a good um, working connection between ourselves uh, the ATMs and the taxi companies have been able to get drivers who've had very safe um, taxis, very clean taxis, that have been able to take the students back to school. And um, that's been managed very well and it's been very successful. So they've all been able to return to their different schools. Okay, so there aren't any students currently um, still at Cambridge Melchior College now? That we've no, there aren't. Um, we did have... Referring back to your previous question, we have had a couple of students who have been quarantining at the um, Cambridge Mercurial College, uh, but now the uh, centre is actually empty. Okay, well that's good to know. It's nice to hear that they've all managed to get back to school. Yes, it's, it's great news and um, it's, it's been very well organised by everyone. Excellent. Um, well, in that case, so it, Leanne and Fee, I know um, alongside the Relax and Revise programme, we also had a large number of students this year who stayed in the UK for Christmas with one of our host families. Um, I think at one point we were we were up to about 75 students staying. Um, what's happened to those students now? Have they been able to go back to school? And if so, how have we sort of managed their return? Um, or have we had to extend their stay with those families? Um, and are there still some, I suppose, with, with host families even now that we're looking after? Hi, yes. Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag, really, if we're honest. Um, some students have um, been able to go back to school. Um, as Casper has previously mentioned, that some schools have kept some boarding houses open where students can remain in their own bubble once they're there. Mm. Um, some students are still with the host families that they stayed with over the Christmas period. Um, the host families very kindly um, have agreed um, that the students can stay with them almost indefinitely on an ongoing basis just I'm until great. we know more about what is going to happen when the schools may open. And I think that's meant a lot of extra work for not just for you and Leanne but also for Jenny. I think in last week's episode um, Louis was discussing the um, need to register host families as private foster carers when they're looking after students under the age of 16 for more than 28 days. Yes. Um, has it been challenging to find families that have been um, able to make that sort of commitment or have you found it quite if easy? If I'm honest, every single host family that has hosted students over Christmas and has agreed to carry on hosting students has also agreed to um, complete this um, extra work um, and um, take part in um, the guidelines that are set out by the local authorities um so we've been so so lucky with our host families and they really have gone above and beyond and really helped us out um helped with all of the questions all of the information that we need to pass over onto the local authorities brilliant 
Um, and I know that you and Leanne, um, perhaps it's something you can tell us a bit about Leanne as well, um, uh, where we're having to register students' accommodation details with local authorities. I think that's something that um, seems to have come up in the last week or so. Uh, and I know that you and, and Fee have been involved in that. Can you tell us a bit more about what that involves? Yeah, of course. Um, so students that are staying with a, a host family uh, for longer than 28 days, um, the host family does need to register as a private foster carer. Um, okay. So that involves quite a bit of admin um, on our side with completing forms, um, with speaking to local authorities on the phone, um, just to get everybody registered. Um, and just following on from what Fiona said, um, the the host families have been absolutely fantastic. Um, they've agreed to absolutely everything. Um, they're being really helpful with any questions that we have um, regarding the private fostering. Um, and all in all, it's it's been a fair amount of work. Um, but they've really they've really helped us, which has been brilliant. I can imagine. And for those students, because um, I'm aware that we have got some students that have made private accommodation arrangements. Um, over the Christmas holidays, either where their parents had uh, either travelled to the UK or were living here um, sort of temporarily, or they're with relatives, family, friends, that sort of thing. Um, are there any special processes we've had to go through for them as well? Yeah, so similarly for the students that are staying with um, family, friends or relatives, we're also having to um, register them with the local authorities for private fostering. Um, again, so that's that's quite a bit of admin um, for for Fiona and myself, and also for Jenny, as you mentioned, mm. um, the local authority, as you imagine, um, they need a lot of information. So we're just sort of trying to give them as much as we have. Um, but yeah, it, it's going very well so far. Brilliant. I suppose it's testament in a way to how flexible you and the, the care team have had to be in. Um, it, reacting quickly to all of the changes that are happening and we're still um, almost every day we're getting new um, updates from the government on guidelines relating to um, the lockdown and schools and things like that and we sort of hear whispers um, and then also relating to examinations coming um, later on in the year. I suppose are we in a, a situation now where we've got students who have managed to get back to school or who are with one of our host families um, at the moment who are now trying desperately to arrange their travel back home um, with the intention of then learning online? Um, I suppose it's probably best to pose that question to you, Casper. Um, are we seeing many students trying to, uh, to make arrangements to leave now? Uh, from a personal point of view, I think that sort of plateaued out and those who have um, attempted to get home. I mean, the last one I had was a student who was going to fly home on the 19th uh, yesterday um, and then one other on the 17th. But from a personal point of view, I think all that, I think we've, from my point of view is I've seen those who wanted to go home to do online learning have done that. And any students that we have now are going to be the ones who are going to be remaining here until, you know, fingers crossed, they can go back at some point at the uh, next major holiday. Yeah. 
And has there been much of an impact for you, Leanne, in terms of organising transfers for students? Um, I suppose back to school from host families and obviously when you were arranging them back from Relax and Revise. Um, and then also for students who have oh. wanted to depart recently um, following the lockdown announcement. Yeah, so as you can imagine, there have been quite a few changes um, when it comes to taxi transfers. Um, lots of cancelling of taxis, unfortunately, for those that weren't able to come back. Yeah. Um, again, the taxi drivers have been really, really good, good with us. Um, they've been very flexible. They've sort of kept up with all of the changes that we've thrown at them. Um, but yeah, the, there's been... So many changes, no two days are the same. Um, you never really know what you're coming into in the morning. Um, mm. It's completely, it's almost completely different from how we were working before. Um, but I think we're, we're keeping on top of it. Great. I suppose it is quite um, a difference from a, in a normal year, you'd be expecting a flurry of emails at sort of key points of the year. You'd know what you were expecting in terms of um, booking transfers for half-term holidays um, at the end of term and then for the, the return at the start of the next term. And now we've got students that can fly and can't fly and change their plans sort of very quickly in line with how quickly everything's changing. Um, so we've also, um, as of this Monday, our travel corridors have been closed. So now requiring all students to uh, well, anyone arriving in the UK to get a negative COVID result before, uh, I think it's 48 hours now before their flight, um, which then I suppose must have had a knock-on effect on previously booked transfers, um, where students have maybe had to change their flight arrangements if they can't secure a test in their home country quickly enough. Um, yeah. So it, it must be extremely full on, I, I can imagine, in both the, the guardianship care team and the accommodation and travel teams at the moment. But it sounds like um, it's going very well, uh, by all accounts. Um, and you are... Sounds like you're becoming master jugglers. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think from um, my point of view, and I can't obviously speak for the ATMs, but I think after the first uh, lockdown where things actually went from one plan in place to then a completely other plan being taken by parents and students. Yeah. I think we were a little bit, well, I was a little bit more prepared this time round for the whole yeah. uh, things changing rapidly. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're all yeah. plans now. <laughs> we, like, we like to plan ahead. Um, so... <laughs> Now we, we can't plan ahead, um, so we're trying to keep on top of things as they come in. Um, and as Casper said, I think we're juggling it quite well. Um, yeah. But it will be nice to get back to being able to plan in advance. Yes, and I suppose that's something that a lot of parents and schools even um, won't necessarily be aware of, that while they're booking their flights and um, sort of organising their start and end of term dates and that sort of thing, we're already, well, I say we, but you are already planning um, far in advance in terms of allocating host families for the year, um, working out what students are going to need throughout their, their time with us. And it, this whole 
um, situation really has thrown that completely out of the window. You can't really plan too far in advance now because um, everything's so up in the air and changing all the time. It will become. Uh, I think we'll be uh, literally super experts at it when that pit, when that time comes when everything goes back to exit one half term, exit two end of term arrangement. I think um, there'll be a walk in a park. Yeah. Well, Nothing will phase you anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find other ways of keeping you all on your toes. Yes, I think I'd agree with you on that one. <laughs> Well, in that case, just on a, a final note, then, um, I know that for a lot of students, uh, both inside the UK and outside at the moment, um, schools are obviously putting on a programme of uh, online learning, which is mirroring the normal lessons that they would have received in class. Um, and I just really wanted to ask Casper um, how we're helping to support those students and sort of maintain the chain of communication between the school and the students and their parents um, and what we're doing there? Well, to be honest, uh, we do get some emails about how the process is going to be for the students, but we don't really have, a, as a GCM, have a really hands-on approach. However, I will say, though, we are called upon to chase up some students who don't appear to be attending their online lessons. Oh, yes. Obviously, I'm not going to give any names, but that's really where we tend to um, be approached by schools to say, yeah. um, can you perhaps help us give that student a nudge because they haven't been in a class for a few days. So that's really where our involvement starts and stops, to be honest, Corey. Okay, well, I mean, still, that sounds like it's very useful. Um, I suppose it must be quite challenging for some students, particularly those that live in a, a very different time zone, um, yeah. particularly sort of thinking China and Hong Kong, um, because by the time lessons are starting in the UK, it's already sort of early evening um, yes. at home for them. So if they're not in the country and some are here uh, doing distance learning from the boarding houses at the school, um, that in itself can, can pose quite a challenge. Um, well, no, I mean, thank you. That for me has been very enlightening. Um, <laughs> having been a guardianship care manager before uh, during normal times, um, yeah. it, I am a little out of touch now in, in my new role. So it, it is nice to sort of touch base, particularly at difficult times to see what's happening. Absolutely. It, from from my perspective as well, it looks like it must be absolute chaos. It's like uh, ducks on the water. You all seem to just be gliding along quite easily, but beneath the waters, your feet are paddling away. <laughs> Always expect the unexpected. That's the best way to approach the job. <laughs> Especially these exactly. Well, while we wait for further updates from the UK government on how the reopening of schools will be managed and when this is likely to happen, uh, we will continue to do all we can to support both of our students that are here in the UK and those of us that are waiting to return. Uh, thank you again, Casper, Fee and Leanne for joining us today. Uh, Corey for being a wonderful host. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope to hear from you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Bright Sounds, a podcast from Bright World Guardianships. 
If you're interested in finding out more about anything we've discussed today, please visit our website www.brightworldguardianships.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter to find out more. Bright Sounds is available as a podcast on major podcast platforms or by subscribing directly to us on Podbean. Please look forward to more fascinating interviews and discussions with our Brightworld team and expert guests. Take care and we'll hear from you at our next Bright Sounds podcast.